0: Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems adopt technology. I am your host, Tjaša Zeitz, and today we're going to talk about TikTok. TikTok is an increasingly popular platform for creators of all ages. I must admit that I started to pay more attention to it this January when my friend, Digital Health Connector from Spain, Alin Noazit, mentioned that TikTok is among the digital health trends in 2019. She was the one that told me that the doctors, especially gynecologists, are using the platform for basic medical and health education of their audience. I gave TikTok a try for over a month to try to understand what it's all about, what makes the platform so appealing and popular. In general, there seem to be three basic laws for successful TikTok posts. Either make people laugh, tell a personal story that people can empathize with, or teach people something new. My personal quick takeaway was that doctors use the platform to talk about their career path, their medical knowledge, or simply to have fun. Two important components of TikTok videos are dancing and music. So nurses use TikTok to record dancing routines during their breaks and their shifts. There's an MRI image explanatory channel and doctors from all sorts of specialties are on the platform. For example, Karan Raj is an NHS surgeon who often talks about weird medical facts and explains them through easy-to-understand explanations accompanied by anatomy or other images that further contribute to an easier understanding of the presented problem.
1: In November time of 2019 this was still I would say the kind of era of TikTok uh, where it was still very heavy in dancing, music type stuff, lip syncing, and just kind of outright fun. There wasn't much in the way of educational stuff we see now. And I began to post some kind of educational content. It was a far cry from some of the stuff I'm doing now. It was only in February of 2020 of this year that uh, i finished like a long 12 hour day. And I was with one of my colleagues. We were reading some kind of weird medical facts and we came across some really, really interesting facts like, uh, that we knew, but reading it again really emphasized it to us, you know, that uh, you know, your stomach produces an acid so powerful that it can dissolve razor blades. So, you know, we, we learned about that in medical school, but just reading it again emphasized the kind of craziness of that. And, you know, we read a few of those and we thought, oh my God, this is, you know, people should, we should talk about this. And, uh, you know, he held the camera and I sort of filmed like that. my first weird medical facts uh, video, which, uh, you know, suddenly, you know, I, a few hours later, uh, my phone was sort of just uh, blowing up and I got all of these uh, new followers and things like that. So, you know, I went from around 500 or so followers in February uh, to over a million uh, now. And that's in the space of about four months, which is uh, absolutely crazy.
0: The discussion with Karan is going to be published next week. Today, we will hear from two MD candidates from the US. Daniel Villavasir and Amanda Demelda are the faces behind Medicine Explained. Then and Amanda explain everyday issues such as what is a brain freeze, how do menstrual cups work, what causes goosebumps, what is scoliosis, can women exercise, bathe, or swim during their period. Then and Amanda started creating content as a way to fight medical misinformation on the internet and as a way to offer the broader audience a source of verified information. Medicine Explained was started to decentralize medical information by making it understandable to everyone, acting as a preventative health education to people around the world, who perhaps have smartphones but don't have access to proper healthcare. In less than six months, the TikTok channel amassed over 1.1 million followers and the hashtag medicine explained has over 100 million views on the platform. Surprisingly for TikTok, Dan and Amelda don't record their faces, but use drawings to get their points across. Before we dive into the conversation with them, a few more details. Dan is currently medicine candidate. He's also the president of medical entrepreneurship. He received his master's of science in cellular and molecular biology. And prior to starting his medical education, he worked at Forward in San Francisco, which was among the first primary care practice providers with a truly patient-centered design. At FORWARD, doctors sit next to the patient in the doctor's office, not behind the computer screens. FORWARD is an exemplary case of how the doctor-patient relationship can look like in the modern era and was listed among the top 25 inventions in 2017 by TIME magazine, Amanda is currently a dual Doctor of Medicine and Master of Public Health candidate. She was part of Nature published Beat AML program, which created the largest to date data set on acute myeloid leukemia, offering genomic, clinical and drug response data. Amanda and Dan also currently work as interns at LUMOS which is an AI-powered search tool for doctors that gives direct answers to clinical questions using trustworthy sources. But in this discussion, you will hear more about their thinking, they offered insights into the current state of medical education, their creative process and content creating strategy on TikTok and more. Enjoy the discussion and if you haven't yet, do subscribe to the podcast to be notified about new upcoming episodes automatically. And to browse through other episodes as well, go to our website, www.facesofdigitalhealth.com. Dan and Amanda, hi. Let's start with a brief introduction of your personal interest in digital health. You're both still studying medicine, but you have quite some experiences in the digital health space. At the moment, you both work as interns at a startup called Lumos, which is an AI-powered search tool for doctors to give them direct answers to clinical questions using trustworthy sources. And Daniel, you also worked for Forward Health, which was among the first startups trying to revolutionize primary care practice by using technology and making the whole experience for patients very positive in a sense that they could communicate with the doctors through their mobile phone that when they saw their doctor um, in the clinic the doctor wasn't hiding behind the computer screen but was sitting next to the patient and they were both looking at a big screen on the wall and um, similar new technologies are used in the clinic to make the experience as good as possible so why digital health apart from medicine what's your story
2: Growing up, I've always been fascinated with technology. I've always wanted to be a doctor like my grandpa, but I um, love the sciences and I knew technology was budding and I saw that these two fields were coming together and it just made me super excited. I think that technology and medicine is really the duo that this world needs and we really need computer scientists and doctors working hand in hand to save the world's toughest problems. So that's what initially brought my interest. Once I finished my graduate degree, I actually moved to San Francisco to live with my brother and I was going to teach some classes and I was actually on a bike ride and I saw forward and I saw it at first, I thought it was in Apple store and it was like a sci-fi clinic that just totally caught my attention and I knew I had to work there. And this was before I was going to start medical school, the year off that I had. And working there, I really just got to see medicine from an entirely new perspective because I had done a lot of shadowing. I'd done a lot of working in hospitals and clinics and things like that. But working at Forward, I was able to see people in tech really taking medicine and and starting from scratch. I like to ask why a lot. And being in the clinic, I'd ask why. Why is it done this way? And um, there wasn't really an answer besides that's the way things have always been done. But being able to work at Forward, we were able to take apart every bit of the process and really start from scratch and question every every part of primary care, essentially, whether it be checking in with the receptionist, how you take your vitals, and like you said earlier, not having a scribe in the room and being able to have remote scribes so the patient could really sit with the doctor and talk face-to-face. That was one of our big things. And really, it was awesome before starting med school just to see that approach. And instead of only working in a field with pre-med and scientists, I was able to work right alongside tech people and computer science people. And um, it just gave me a totally new perspective. And really, you know, there's a lot of complaints about healthcare and the lack of innovation, but being able to work at Forward really lit me up. And I was able to see that, you know, things are really changing and things are changing fast. And so that's what really secured my interest in digital health, especially before starting medical school.
0: How come did you uh, you left? Was it just because you started medical school?
2: Yeah, actually, you know, when I started at Forward, I had just taken the MCAT, just finished graduate school, and was going to start medical school the following year. And so I just started working at Forward. And you know, there was definitely a part of me towards the end that was like, should I just stay on here? Um, I was loving what I was doing. But then I I had gotten accepted to medical school. And I I couldn't really, I, I had the thought that I can always jump back into digital health after med school, but I can't stay with Forward and then jump back to medical school. So I really had to make that tough decision.
0: What about you, Amanda? Probably
3: for me, there's two major reasons. First, I've always been interested in accessibility of healthcare, especially to underserved populations. I actually lived in a couple of other countries growing up besides the United States, um, such as Germany and Brazil, which fostered my interest in global health. I actually had the opportunity to work at a clinic in rural Ghana a few years back for um, a few months And there were so many unmet healthcare needs just from basic access to healthcare, to education. There weren't any physicians that were in this small rural town because most are centered in cities instead of living in like remote villages with no running water or unreliable energy supplies, et cetera. And so I've always been really interested in trying to bridge that healthcare disparity gap. And I believe that digital health can really help, especially when you uh, identify the need of that population And um, every healthcare environment is super unique. So implementing a useful solution is really important and taking into account what that population actually needs. Also before med school, I did some research, which worked on collecting data from primary patient samples. And it was published as open source data. And it exposed me to a lot of the way that you can use big data to answer medical and research questions. And so just from my experience, everything seems to be trending towards digital health and tech. And it's a very necessary trajectory for healthcare in order to address these healthcare disparities.
0: What were you noticing in retrospect regarding the different healthcare systems that you saw, like Germany, then Africa, and now the US? Is there anything that like stuck with you regarding the differences?
3: Well, there was quite a drastic difference between the rural clinic in Ghana versus what I experienced in the United States and in Germany. When I was living in Germany, I actually had to go to the emergency room and have something stitched up. And that was the most easy experience that I've had in my life with healthcare. Um, It was kind of an in and out, which you don't really get in the emergency rooms here, or at least in my experience. You go into the emergency room and you check in. And if you don't have anything that immediately needs to be addressed, such as a heart attack, myocardial infarction, et cetera, or you're unconscious, then you have to essentially wait in the waiting room for... I don't know, two to three hours. One time I had to go in for slamming my thumb in a car door. <laughs> and so, of course, like I can survive for a long period of time with this injury. So they they have so many people backed up in the emergency room system that they make you wait for about two to three hours or more, depending on how what time of day it is and what your injury level is. And then eventually you get to see the doctor. But it's just a long process of sitting there and waiting and waiting until they have addressed all of the emergency urgent needs, and then finally can get to you. Versus when I was in Germany, I was a lot younger at that point. But from what I can remember, you just go into the emergency room, we maybe waited for 15 to 20 minutes. And I went in, got my stitches in and left within probably an hour.
0: I think that might have been because if you were a child, then uh, children are usually treated a little bit differently because also in the public systems, uh, the waiting times can be really long. Um, but not to get too far from our topic, which was TikTok and uh, how doctors and how medicine and healthcare systems are adopting Uh, new technologies. You two are both studying medicine. How much do you see that the digital health is penetrating already the medical education, you know, because I personally live in a bubble because I constantly talk to and search for doctors that are involved with digital health, which can give me a false uh, sense that everybody is interested. In digital health, so if you would uh, look at your peers, is everyone like super interested in uh, the latest tech advancements? And how does the curriculum adapt to all the new findings?
2: There's not that much exposure to digital health, and just talking amongst ourselves and our peers and what we've seen. I'm actually was the head of the entrepreneurship group at our medical school, and there hasn't been that much interest in digital health, and I, I think that's mostly due to lack of exposure. A lot of students and a lot of people in our generation, we know that technology is a part of our daily life, and I think we kind of take that for granted. We don't realize that it hasn't really translated that well to the hospital and to the medical care setting. Um, so I think as time goes on, we're all going to understand that digital health is more and more important. But for us, we really had to we understand where it's going, and because of our backgrounds um, in digital health and, and being able to work at these places like Lumos and Forward, we've we've been able to see where the future is going. And um, for people like Amanda and I, we're not really scared of change. We we want this to happen. We want to be on the right side of history when it comes to digital health, and um, really making this world ha- happier and healthier. And we know that digital health is is kind of the gateway there. But we know that the information's out there, and so we've taken upon ourselves to kind of learn, you know, about artificial intelligence and blockchain, and, and learn to program, and and most importantly, social media for getting our message out. But it's not really taught in our curriculum, so we've had to go. And find that on our own.
3: Yeah. So just going off of what Daniel was saying, the med school education is still really traditional. There's so much information that we as medical students need to learn. And we're studying specifically for board exams. So our medical education is really catered towards that. And honestly, we have yet to be exposed to any digital health. And I've actually talked to a few of my friends across the country and asked about their med school curriculum. And health tech isn't really addressed in any of these settings. So we really did have to step into it on our own. And we want to be part of this revolution and this future because we think it is definitely going to happen and can help bridge a lot of these healthcare disparity gaps and make healthcare a lot more easy and accessible for everyone.
2: We've had experience, you know, discussing with uh, with other peers where we'll talk about, you know, telemedicine or machine learning really being inevitable in and in a crucial aspect of all parts of medicine. And, you know, sometimes people in our field will look at us like we're crazy. I've explained my experiences at Forward and that some of the things that we're working on and people really don't believe it. They think it's kind of sci-fi. And so um, I think it's really on all of us to to expose the field to more digital health. And you're doing a great job of doing that.
3: Yeah. And once we stepped into the digital health space, it's really exciting to read all of this information and listen to your podcast and see all of these health tech innovations because it's uh, it helps us think that there's a future in health tech and realize that there are a lot more people interested in it than we had expected.
0: When did you guys start using TikTok and when did you start creating content for it?
3: We started using TikTok about mid-January. I'm getting a master's in public health as well. And so I had finished all my formal public health classes by the end of December. And throughout my my public health training, I recognized that the crux of a lot of problems is health education. Of course, you need resources, but getting your public health message out is extremely important. And I didn't want to have to wait till the end of med school or the end of my formal training to make a difference. And so we decided to start on our TikTok platform um, about mid-January.
0: Your primary kind of motivation was to contribute to uh, reliable information. Did you notice a lot of misleading information regarding health? Because that's one of the big issues.
2: Yeah, we noticed there was a big a big confusion about a lot of the health information going around. We knew that we had a lot of training in finding the right information, going to the right sources. And we just knew that that information was you know, among a select few of scientists and highly educated people, but what we really wanted to do was take that information and pass it out to everybody because that information is available to everybody. It's accessible to everybody, but until it is understandable by everybody, it's not decentralized. And so that was our big goal is to make, make it understandable and digestible. And we knew that we were trustworthy and we could find those sources to deliver that information. And really, we just knew that we didn't want to wait for groundbreaking discoveries and services to help the world. We knew that we could start right now with health health education and really preventing illness right now.
3: Yeah. And back to your um, point about misinformation, I think that there hasn't been a lot of representation of healthcare professionals or scientists on platforms like social media. And a lot of the misinformation is spread virally through these platforms So misinformation, for example, about coronavirus was spread through TikTok. So we wanted to have a voice in that and share the correct information so that people were exposed to that and not only false information. And with doctors and nurses and all healthcare professionals not really having a voice or a platform on social media, we were trying to help spread this correct information instead of the misleading ones.
0: You are obviously doing a great job with that, given that you by today have almost one million followers and perhaps a word or two about the format that you are using. Um, basically, it's a short explainer videos with uh, words and images on cardboard to supplement understanding of the narrated explanations. So can you take us through your creative process? So how do you decide what to present? How long does it take you to create one TikTok What is the decision-making factor that uh, influences what is going to be the next thing that you are going to cover?
1: We
3: have a long list of topics that we look through and um, we take a lot of the feedback from our followers. Um, But first of all, we try to decide on a topic and then we look for primary and trusted sources. Uh, so that we're giving out the most correct information. And we make sure to source all of our TikToks so that people can look for further information if they want to. And they want more than just 20 to 60 seconds of information. We make a quick draft of a script, uh, which actually ends up changing as we record because we are trying to make things as simple as possible. And as we're starting to record, we recognize that things don't sound as natural or a little bit hard to follow or understand. And then we use a lot of construction paper. We try to recycle as many of the images and words as we can. And so we have the script, we draw the pictures that would fit in the script. And we try to leave out as much medical jargon as we possibly can to make it understandable. And we always start with a compelling question. So people flipping through TikTok will stop and look at the question and want to stay for the answer.
2: And the biggest thing is we really hold each other accountable. To, to get rid of all jargon and make it confusing. So I'll stop Amanda or she'll stop me if we throw out a big word and we put a big word out there. And so we'll just have to, the whole process is really about making it as simple and easy and fun as possible. And our goal is really to leave people, to stop on their TikTok page, on their For You page, see our video and really just start their day or, or leave with one piece of information that can help their health. Yeah,
3: and they going back to the medical jargon part, We're being trained around so many med school students and physicians and so we hear these myocardial infarction and systolic blood pressure and so it's become our normal to hear these terms but we recognize that the general public probably doesn't know the definition to those so we try as much as possible to make things as easy to understand and as relatable as possible.
0: Does that also require for you to google how to simplify things?
2: Usually, we just go off of our, our understanding of things. And we, we think about times where we've had to explain to patients or teach other people about these topics. And we try to think about, okay, can we explain this to a five-year-old and a, a 40-year-old? We need to be able to explain these topics to people of any age and any education level. And so making it as simple as possible is really is really our main goal in our creative process.
3: And we both come from families that aren't in the medical field. And so we like to bounce off our ideas with um, some of our family members, and if they have any questions, then we take back their feedback too.
0: Given that you have one million followers, to which extent do they, with their questions, navigate? your uh, topics that you're going to cover and to which extent do you still decide that you will cover something that's not in the questions i imagine that you get tons of questions
2: yeah we get a lot of great recommendations and, and we base a lot off of what people want most of the time we have people go to medicine and they fill out what they want our next video to be and they give us a topic request and we kind of filter through there just to make it a little bit easier for us because we get you know thousands of DMs and thousands of comments. Um, but we really, based off what people want to hear, and we have you know a big audience in India, Brazil, Philippines, um, Canada, Mexico. We really try to focus on what people who what people want that don't really have access to healthcare, but are, but have access to a smartphone and have access to TikTok. So we really start basic with that. Um, but a lot of times people don't know what they don't know. And so we try our best to get out messages that we think are important as well.
3: Especially go- going to the back of fact about um, misinformation. So if, for example, we're talking about vitamins and we had someone comment, um, well, I drink vitamin water every single day. And there's just a lot of false information and branding um, that people see a lot more than just true medical information or healthcare information. So if we think that there is something along those lines that has to be addressed, uh, then we'll do a topic on that. But most of the time, our followers have really, really good questions. And clearly, that's what they are most interested in and want to know. So we try to address that.
0: I imagine that um, social media platforms such as TikTok can feel as a safe place. People can ask things that they are interested in without any restrictions?
3: We've received so much positive feedback on all of our women's health topics. I saw that that there was a huge need for education on women's health just based off of um, travels abroad. But like you were saying, it doesn't only have to be underserved populations. There's a lot of taboo around talking about women's health and a lot of cultural stigma against speaking about sexual health and women's health. And we've gotten requests from all around the world to talk about menstrual health, feminine hygiene products that people aren't necessarily taught at school or at home because it's uncomfortable to talk about. We've received a lot of positive comments that they feel really uncomfortable talking to their family about it or their family never addresses it. And this is the only place that they've been able to get this information from. Um, We've had a few people comment that they've saved all of our period TikToks to show their daughters when they're trying to talk to them about menstruation because we make it really easy to understand and we try to make it very comfortable to talk about.
0: During your creation process of uh, TikToks and choosing topics to talk about, did anything surprise you in uh, choosing the topics and how to present them? Did you encounter any problems?
3: One thing that really surprised us is. We've been really interested in um, both sexual health education and women's health education. And because of censorship on TikTok's platform, there are a few things that you can't say or do. And so we've had to be really careful at navigating that. We've actually, for example, one of our TikToks was, are my nipples normal? And you're not allowed to have nipples shown in any of TikToks. And we actually, we just drew one out and we also said the word and it was almost immediately taken down. So, we have to be really careful about how we go about talking about women's health and sexual education so that we aren't censored but are still able to get our message out.
0: How did you solve that problem? Did you manage to present it in another way?
2: We had to censor our construction paper drawings.
3: We put a shirt on our woman, but we were still able to uh, talk about it. And sometimes we just use a little bit of vague vocabulary, but that still makes the content understandable.
0: Wow. It sounds like it's quite challenging to navigate the rules of expressing your thoughts, opinions and content.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, because we are really interested in um, doing that sexual health education, because I think that's lacking from a lot of people's um, schooling or even just, again, cultural taboo. And so we want to get that message out there, but we've been trying to work on how to best do that without crossing any boundaries.
0: It's still interesting because you guys use drawings, so not exactly explicit imaging. How did you feel when that happened?
3: If someone feels uncomfortable with the messaging that we're putting out there, they can report it. And I think that someone on that end looks through our video because sometimes it'll stay up for about an hour and then it's taken down.
0: Did you get uh, any questions that surprised you, like from specific parts of the world? Because, you know, healthcare systems differ, cultures differ. And this means that also questions or taboos differ.
3: We recently got a comment from a young lady who said that she comes from a Hispanic household and they never talk about women's health or sexual health. Um, within her family. And so she was asking us um, to talk more about periods and menstrual health. And there's been a lot of questions specifically about misconceptions of, for example, someone asked us if uh, you use a tampon, if you're still considered a virgin. So there's a lot of health and misinformation topics that you have to address that a lot of people aren't talking to their families or their schools aren't educating them about.
0: I've been uh, following TikTok, let's say, for the last... uh month when I started researching how the platform works what do people like what are the trends and uh, already in January I uh, noticed um, because of an article in the New York Times and because of my good friend Aline Waset who is one of the opinion leaders in Europe about digital health and she said that there's this huge movement of doctors using TikTok for education that was basically why I got interested in the platform in the first place. But anyway, I did uh, notice through the use of the platform that there indeed is a movement of healthcare uh, workers that talk about valuable information uh, regarding medicine, regarding clinical practice, regarding the work conditions doctors work in, anecdotes with their patients, information about how being a doctor is like as a, a career path, or just simply educational content. So I uh, was wondering, how do you see this movement? Are you following it?
2: Yeah, we've been following the movement pretty closely. For the most part, we try to stay in our own lane and in our own creative space. Um, We see a lot of of doctors providing great content. We see a lot of pre-med people giving great content to get people excited about medical school and get them accepted into medical school. But a lot of it is really focused on themselves, we feel. And so for us, it was always important not to have our faces in it and not to make it about us and really make it about the educational content.
3: I think that a lot of healthcare platforms have been trending that way now, and it's more and more important to get healthcare professionals on platforms like TikTok. Information shouldn't just be privy to the healthcare provider. And I think just there's a general trend that people are gaining more and more control of their health data and wearables, et cetera. So providing information for people and education helps in this movement, and it's giving people more power in controlling their own health. Um, So for example, there's no rule book for how to be a patient and hopefully seeing the healthcare system from the inside helps patients navigate it more easily. But on the other side as well, patients are sharing their own experiences which is important for healthcare professionals
0: to see but to some extent you said before that the healthcare educational system or the healthcare itself is slow to adapting these uh, kind new technologies and also social media and while especially on twitter there's a huge community of doctors that share uh, um, valuable information among themselves that share valuable information about the, the healthcare systems i still wonder uh, to which extent is it seen as uh, problematic or self-absorbing if you are present on these platforms too, in a too personal sense? You, you mentioned yourself that a lot of the doctors are, so the focus is on them. On and sharing their own personal story. And I'm I'm wondering, uh, did you get any responses regarding that um, in your environment, in your medical education environment? Is somebody just, you know, looking down on you? Or are you ever worried that somebody would blame you that you didn't explain something right? What's the whole uh, attitude of the medical community towards uh, using these platforms um, in your experience? First
3: of all, physicians and med school students work really, really hard. And so there's not a lot of time to be um, doing social media as much. And I think that there just hasn't been as much exposure to um, how social media can be used as a public health platform. We thought that it was really interesting when the World Health Organization joined TikTok during the whole coronavirus, because they recognized that social media, specifically TikTok, is a way to get your message out to um, younger generations. And I think that social media is still very new in the education realm that a lot of our classmates or professional healthcare providers haven't necessarily trended towards using it as a way to get their information out.
0: I must admit that uh, I also was surprised in a way to see that the WHO uh, announced that they're going to publish content on TikTok and when that happened during the coronavirus I think that was like my aha moment when I said to myself okay if WHO is doing this then I definitely need, need to check this out and uh, one thing that I'm also noticing is that there's actually Actually, a lot of diversity in terms of the age of the people that publish. So, according to my understanding, uh, this is not just something that uh, teenagers would use. What's your experience? Do you have any information about that regarding your audience?
2: We have some analytics on our audience. We don't have the age of our audience, but what we can tell you is that we get messages from people of all ages. So, we'll get people asking questions about puberty. And then, um, for example, we also just did a post on autism and we had mothers and families actually messaging us and doing duets with our videos, saying thank you for helping me explain to my friends and family what we're experiencing. And so we really get messages from people um, of all ages and that's made it really fun and given us a lot of content to produce.
3: Yeah, we definitely have a mix of ages who are watching our content. Like Dan was saying, we have questions about puberty and clearly based off of the profiles that follow us, there's a lot of teens and a lot of younger adults, but there's so many people who have messaged us directly saying that they've learned more from our TikToks than they did paying for college. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they, they would lead with Hello. well I've already graduated college, but I just wanted to let you know that I think all ages should be taught the way that you are because humans are naturally visual learners. And so even we are using essentially cartoons <laughs> to learn through medical school because it helps with memory and, um, it helps solidify your knowledge with visual cues.
0: I recently came across a TikTok post that summoned up nicely the three, what I would call, quote unquote, uh, laws of the platform. And these are, you either have to make people laugh, you either have to make people cry or teach them something. So... TikTok is very diverse in the sense that it's a place that people get entertained and a place that people, as you mentioned, uh, get uh, news or can get educational formats. So is there anything else that you would add to the collection of tips as to how to use TikTok? And here you can perhaps also talk a little bit about uh, how you see that uh, people get the latest news.
2: Yeah, we think those laws are, are something to, to follow, but we also think that it's more important to be, to be different and to really be consistent with your content. We think people starting off should really know their why, um, know which audience they're trying to target. Also make it fun. Um, TikTok is a different platform compared to other platforms because it's really personal. The things that do well on TikTok are really honest, really natural. We find that the TikToks that really go viral are ones that really bring emotion out and really get people to share it and watch them multiple times. And so uh, we think it's really important to connect with your audience and really find that niche community of supporters. And you'll find that that your community that you create is is really supporting and really loving. And you'll kind of know uh, what content to produce from there.
3: I think that TikTok has been growing extremely quickly partly because it's so raw and everyone's looking for that real human connection and wanting to see whoever that they're following or they're fans of as real humans. And our, if you watch any of our TikToks, they're pretty low budget. And I think that even if we started using higher tech, such as not just using our phone to record, um, it would take away some of the reasons why we've become so popular on TikTok and have gained so many followers because all of the TikToks that do really well are extremely raw and personable and um, not really polished.
0: Wow, that was quite a comprehensive guide as to how to start on TikTok. Is there anything else uh, that you would add to that in terms of the tips that you have for anyone that's kind of trying to see if this is something that could be a platform to express an opinion, share new ideas, or just, you know, have fun?
3: TikTok is honestly a really great platform for public health, because a lot of people won't know outside of the medical community to get their public health information from the World Health Organization or the CDC. So on a lot of the other social media platforms, you have to specifically be looking for that. They have made algorithms in order to push more content if you seem to be interested in health. But the way that TikTok works is if people have liked your content that you made, it gets viral really easily and really quickly. So it essentially, our message has gotten out to about 100 million people People, we've had 100 million views on our hashtag Medicine Explained. um, And it's just put into anyone's feed that would potentially be interested or even not interested just because other people showed interest. So if it gets more and more popular, it's shown to a lot of people who may not even be seeking um, health information or don't know what questions to ask because sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And I think that that um, has allowed us to gain a lot of traction on TikTok.
0: Based on your uh, very good understanding of the platform and based on the fact that you are both young and you grew up in the era of social media, is there any like predictions that you have in terms of how this kind of information sharing is going to continue and develop?
2: Yeah, even just being on TikTok since January, I mean, we've noticed bigger brands, like we've already talked about the World Health Organization, but we've we've seen so many big, big brands start to, you know, shift their attention from um, Instagram and Twitter over to TikTok. And you see big players really jumping on the platform every day, it's just exponential growth with how much how important it is and and how how big the message is um, that people put out there. And we really think that it's just gonna continue to grow faster. I mean, if you look at the analytics. Of the platform itself, the engagement rate is really higher than any other platform. For example, if you have over 100,000 followers, the normal engagement rate is typically 1.1%, but TikTok is at 5.3%. And and as we speak right now, our personal page is at 12.7% engagement. And so the engagement is so high that we don't see this slowing down for a while, And we see um, it as a potential platform for brands to get out their message and for people to get out their message to everyone around the world, especially with countries that are really, really growing and, and budding really fast. Like we have Brazil is now the third fastest growing TikTok market um, behind India and China. And then, of course, the United States is growing really fast, being the, the most downloaded app of 2020 here to date. And so we don't see it slowing down and we see there's kind of a lane for everybody right now to get out their message.
0: Medicine Explained is targeting the general public uh, to get valuable information, reliable information about health, uh, medicine, well-being. But uh, Lumos, the startup that I mentioned uh, in the beginning that you both are involved in, is targeting uh, medical professionals and enabling them to get to the information that they need as fast manner as possible. So this is just my last question. Was that... By any chance, inspired by uh, what you're doing on TikTok and with Medicine Explained, or is that like completely unrelated? It's obvious that you guys have very a uh, huge passion in meaningful and reliable information sharing.
2: It's pretty separate. Our motivation for joining was really to kind of stay connected to the digital health space while we were in medical school. I mean, of course, before medical school, being in San Francisco and working for a place like Forward. I kind of had my finger on the pulse of what was going on in the digital health community. And so I thought it was important that we still kind of be on the front lines and and be involved in these projects. And so that's what came about with Lumos. We love what they're doing and we love working with them. But you know, TikTok it's really been a different platform for us and, and a really a way to express our creativity and really get out the message that we want to get out now instead of waiting, you know, years down the line and we think you really, our world doesn't need to wait to have these groundbreaking discoveries and services that are gonna help the world. We think that everything can be started right now and with a platform growing as fast as TikTok, we can really prevent illness around the world and really inspire people to take control of their own health right now by giving them these, these, these fun and easy and understandable pieces of content daily.
0: You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health. If you like the show, do leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast. This is the fuel for the show and helps others interested in digital health find the show as well. To browse through past episodes and find more about the podcast, go to www.facesofdigitalhealth.com. And of course, stay tuned.